Ladies and gentlemen, the following segment of the podcast is presented exclusively by Hillsdale College. Now, in its 175th year, Hillsdale is a truly independent institution where learning is prized and intellectual enthusiasm is valued. Thank you for listening and my sincere appreciation to Hillsdale for their sponsorship. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, everybody. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877 877-381-3811. 877-381-3811. Well, the media are still leading with the non-story of something that never happened because George Stephanopoulos and ABC News pushed it out there. And, of course, the group think and pack mentality of the media just keep at it, which involves the president. And if he got opposition research from a foreign country, what would he do with it? Would he take it? Would he give it to the FBI? I've spent enough time on this. Enough time on this. This is a non-issue. It never happened. The president's a patriot. And nothing would happen. And so that's enough. Uh, And, uh, of course, uh, Nancy Pelosi, as I was on Fox and Friends today, I said uh, her attacks on the president of the United States, calling him a criminal, in essence, is fascistic. And since she's saying fascistic things, and she must be, in some ways at least, fascistic. And the president repeated that today on Fox and Friends, and uh, we will play that for you later since nobody else does, apparently wants to play it. Have you noticed that, Mr. Producer? They play right after he says, like Mark Levin said, right? But that's all right. But here's what I want to lead with, and we're going to get into Iran, too. But I want to lead with this. You just heard the breaking news that the Department of Justice has issued an opinion and has uh, advised the Department of Treasury at the request of the Department of Treasury for an input, for input uh, not to release the president's tax returns. Not to release his tax returns like I knew they would. That is, I knew that's how they would rule. Now, the, pay, the opinion is uh, 33 pages. I just finished reading it. Uh, you'll hear about it all weekend long from people who haven't read it. It's a brilliant opinion. It's an opinion that will win in court over time as I believe some of the other subpoenas that have been issued. But I want to, I want to read some aspects of this opinion to you because I think it's, it's important, it's educational, and it's fascinating. And this is what you have to do when you stand up to tyranny, the tyranny of these committees and these committee chairmen. And they start by saying the Internal Revenue Code requires that the Department of the Treasury keep tax returns. And this relates to you, too. Tax returns and related information confidential, subject to certain exceptions. And makes the unauthorized disclosure of such information a federal crime, a felony. You have asked for our advice about one exception, they write to Treasury, which provides that the Secretary of Treasury shall furnish, quote-unquote, tax return information upon written request from the Chairman of the Committee, on Ways and Means of the House of Representatives. And as you know, these so-called legal analysts have been repeating this line over and over and over again, and they say that's the end of the thinking. 
That's the end of the analysis. Well, of course, they're always wrong. On April 3, 2019, the chairman of the House Committee on Ways and Means, Representative Richard Neal, requested the last six years of President Trump's individual tax returns, as well as those of eight associated business entities. He also requested the audit histories and work papers associated with each return. The chairman's request, however, did not make any mention of his long-standing campaign to acquire and publish the president's confidential tax returns. During the prior Congress, Chairman Neal, who was then the committee's ranking member, that is, he was the lead Democrat, repeatedly urged the committee to invoke Section 6103F to make the president's tax returns available to the public, declaring that, quote, committee Democrats remain steadfast in their pursuit to have President Trump's individual tax returns disclosed to the public, unquote. And before the midterm elections, Chairman Neal, as well as other members of his party, promised that if they won a majority in the House, then the chairman would wield his authority to demand the president's tax returns. After becoming chairman, he followed up on his promise by requesting that the IRS disclose the president's tax returns. In lieu of his prior focus on making the returns public, he asserted that the committee required six years of President Trump's tax returns because it was, quote, considering legislative proposals and conducting oversight related to our federal tax laws, including but not limited to the extent to which the IRS audits and enforces federal tax laws against a president, unquote. To that end, Chairman Neal claimed that it is necessary for the committee to determine the scope of any such examination and whether it includes a review of underlying business activities required to be recorded on the individual income tax return. The chairman did not explain why, if the committee were sincerely interested in understanding how the IRS audits presidential tax returns, he needed to review President Trump's tax returns for many years before his presidency. Nor did the chairman request any information concerning the IRS's actual policies or practices governing presidential audits or the audit histories for any president other than President Trump. These are exactly the two points that I've raised in the past. That shows you how phony this is. That is, there's never been a legislative purpose. In view of these marked discrepancies in the public record, the Treasury Department quite reasonably concluded that Chairman Neal had not articulated the real reason for his request. The chairman's request that Treasury turn over the president's tax returns for the apparent purpose of making them public amounted to an unprecedented use of the committee's authority and raised a serious risk of abuse. As you at Treasury explained, Treasury was committed to complying with the law, but under the circumstances, it questioned whether the chairman's request was lawful. In other words, Congress doesn't have the power to demand tax returns for the purpose of making them public. It has to have a a serious, legitimate, substantive, legislative purpose. It doesn't have plenary power to investigate people, to get records out of the executive branch, to make them public and so forth. Congress doesn't have that power. There is separation of powers. I'm not going to read the whole opinion, but I'm going to bounce around to what I believe are the more important parts because it's just too long. 
Under the circumstances, we, the Department of Justice, agreed that it was reasonable to conclude that the committee's asserted interest in the IRS's audit of presidential tax returns was pretextual, in other words, phony, and that the true aim was to make the president's tax returns public. And we found strong support for that conclusion in the manner in which the committee has conducted its stated investigation and a lack of fit between the requested documents and the proffered reasons and the many statements by the chairman and other members of Congress explaining their purpose for pursuing the tax returns. The Supreme Court has made clear that there is no congressional power to expose for the sake of exposure. Watkins versus the United States, 1957. And transmitting to inform the public is not part of the legislative function. Hutchison versus Proxmire, 1979. In the absence of a legitimate legislative purpose, the disclosure of the president's tax returns to the chairman was barred by federal tax law 6103A and the United States Constitution. Follow me so far, Mr. Producer? Congress has identified 13, as I jump further in the opinion, Congress has identified 13 tightly drawn categories of exceptions to the confidentiality of return information. Chairman Neal invoked the exception for the Congressional Tax Committees, which provides that, quote, upon written request of the Chairman of the House Committee on Ways and Means, among others, the Secretary shall furnish such committee with any return or return information specified in the request. If the tax information would identify a particular taxpayer, then it shall be disclosed only in closed executive session, out of public view, absent the taxpayer's consent. But the three tax committees may submit the tax information to the full Senate or the full House in public session, resulting in public disclosure. This authority differs from that available to other congressional committees, which, when authorized by a House or Senate resolution, may inspect tax information in closed session. Chairman Neal's April 3 letter represents the culmination of a sustained effort over more than two years to seek the public release the public release of President Trump's tax returns. And we all know that's what's going on here. During the 2016 presidential campaign, then-candidate Trump chose not to publicly release his tax returns. The president's decision became a campaign issue, with his Democratic opponent charging that he refuses to do what every other presidential candidate in decades has done. After the 2016 election, the minority members of the House continued to press for the president's tax returns. And they go on with the scores of letters and demands for the tax returns by the minority members of Congress. And they name them and they cite the letters. And throughout the rest of the 115th Congress, the House Democrats repeatedly attempted to force the public release of the president's returns. And on April 5, 2017, Minority Leader Pelosi held another press conference about the president's failure to release his tax returns, at which ranking member O'Neill acknowledged, quote, this is not about the law. This is about custom and practice. It's a settled tradition that candidates reach the level of expectation that they're supposed to release their tax forms. And over the next several months, House members offered at least half a dozen privileged resolutions to try and force the release of the tax returns. Now, I want to continue We're about halfway through the points I want to raise in this 33-page opinion by the Department of Justice in what the uh, Department of Justice is saying and why this is a rock-solid 
legal and constitutional response to the rogue and mob-like chairman of these various committees operating under the iron fist of Broomhilda. I mean, uh, Nancy Pelosi. We'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Folks, many of our nation's oldest colleges were founded to teach students to seek truth, recognize what's beautiful, and hold up what is good. But sadly, many have lost their way. Locked in the grip of political correctness, they no longer allow free and open discourse and instead peddle their moral and cultural relativism. Thankfully, there's Hillsdale College. Since its founding in 1844, Hillsdale has remained true to its original mission, to provide sound learning of the kind essential to preserving civil and religious liberty and intelligent piety. And as Hillsdale enters its 175th year, their goal is simple and yet profound, to help students understand what is noblest and best in yourself and the world. Hillsdale College's liberal arts education and vibrant campus community help students form a foundation for the rest of their lives, a truly life-defining experience. So if you're looking for a college that prizes learning and values intellectual enthusiasm, where everyone shares a strong sense of meaning and purpose, welcome to Hillsdale College. Please visit hillsdale.edu slash admissions to plan a visit and learn more. That's hillsdale.edu slash admissions. All right, let's continue on our little lesson here on the reasons why Congress, in fact, does not have a right to the tax returns of the President of the United States or individual citizens for the purpose that they've been demanding them. Number one, it's focused on one individual, not even a group of individuals. Number two, there's no legislative purpose. They didn't ask for the tax returns of Obama or Clinton or anybody else. And uh, the purpose is to put these tax returns out in the public eye. The president, when he was a candidate, chose to run and told the American people, I'm not releasing my tax returns. Nancy Pelosi won't release her tax returns either. In fact, nobody other than I asked her to release her tax returns, but she won't do it. Shortly before... The midterm elections, writes the Department of Justice this evening. Minority Leader Pelosi and Ranking Member Neal promised that they would continue their pursuit of the president's tax returns if their party won a majority in the House. In October 2018, Leader Pelosi stated that demanding the president's tax returns is one of the first things we do. That's the easiest thing in the world. And Representative Neal said he intended to get the documents if he became chairman of the committee. He did, however, express some hesitation about precisely how he'd proceed, conceding that this has never happened before, so you want to be very meticulous. But you see, ladies and gentlemen, they want to know how the IRS processes the, uh, the uh, tax returns of presidents, but it's never happened before. And the IRS has been around a long time. After the Democrats won the majority in the midterm elections, incoming Speaker Pelosi predicted that the Ways and Means Committee would pursue the tax returns, but she cautioned that securing them is a little more challenging than you might think. So to sum up, throughout 2017 and 2018, Chairman Neal and other members of Congress made clear their intent to acquire and release the president's tax returns publicly. They offered many different justifications for such an action, 
suggesting that releasing the returns would honor tradition, show what the Russians have on Donald Trump, reveal a potential Chinese connection, inform tax reform legislation, provide the clearest picture of his financial health, and expose any alleged emoluments received from foreign governments. But oversight of, quote, the extent to which the IRS audits and enforces federal tax laws against the president, unquote, had never been the focus of their previous demands. On April 3, 2019, Chairman Neal announced that the committee had completed the necessary groundwork for a request of this magnitude, that he felt certain we are within our legitimate legislative, legal, and oversight rights. And two days later, he explained that the committee had constructed a case, quote-unquote, for the tax returns that he hoped, quote, would stand up under the critical scrutiny of the federal courts. After the Treasury Secretary informed Chairman Neal that he would consult with the Department of Justice about this novel request, listen to this, the chairman advised that the executive could not second-guess the motives of the committee or its reasonable determinations regarding its need for the requested tax returns and return information. When I said last night, and when I said this morning, that Pelosi and her minions are fascistic, I'm not kidding. So in other words, the executive branch can't question a request from a committee chairman in the House of Representatives? Where's that written? Nowhere. In Chairman Neal's view, the committee was entitled to a presumption of regularity and, quote, concerns about what the committee may do with the tax returns or return information are baseless, unquote. And he set a new deadline, April 23, to provide the requested tax returns and return information. Because Congress may only conduct investigations to further a legitimate legislative purpose, as they wrote at the Treasury Department, Congressional investigations ordinarily begin with a legislative purpose, and that legislative purpose defines the scope of the documents that are pertinent to the committee's investigation. But here, by the committee's own admission, the committee's investigation began in the opposite direction. The committee started with the documents it planned to obtain and release, that is, the president's tax returns, and then it sought, in Chairman Neal's words, to construct a case for seeking the documents that would appear to be in furtherance of a legitimate legislative purpose. The committee knew that exposure for the sake of exposure would not be a legitimate purpose, as the Supreme Court has ruled in the past. So the committee could no longer rely upon prior statements to that effect. A little bit more after the bottom of the hour, you'll be better informed than any other person on the face of the planet, particularly those who whose eyeballs are glued to the TV. They won't know what the hell's going on. But you will, and you'll know that the president is on firm footing and that the Democrats in the House continue in a fascistic pattern. I'll be right back. Every human being has a common problem. How do I live well? Our happiness and well-being depends on how we answer that question. Hillsdale College President Larry Arn argues that the best book ever written on this subject is Aristotle's Nicomachean Ethics. And a new free online course from Hillsdale College shares Aristotle's teachings that will help you lead the most complete, happy life possible. Register for this free course, Introduction to Aristotle's Ethics, How to Lead a Good Life, featuring lessons from the greatest self-help book ever written at levinforhillsdale.com. In just 10 on-demand videos, each only 30 minutes long, 
you'll learn how to confront the chief obstacles to happiness and make the choices that build good character. Aristotle presents a guide for securing a virtuous life. And if you take this free course from Hillsdale and heed Aristotle's advice, your life will change for the better. You can learn how to lead a good life just as every Hillsdale College student does. It's yours for free at levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. Mark Levin, tough as hell. That's why I like Mark Levin. And I'm not sure a lot of people like him. He's tough as hell. But I like him. I love him. Call in now. 877-381-3811. All right. To wrap up our little constitutional and legal lesson here, which the so-called legal analysts will never discuss with you in any serious way, the plain language of 26 U.S.C. 6103 F1 does not require a tax committee to provide any purpose in support of its request for tax information. Yet the committee has repeatedly labored to justify its request for six years of the president's returns. The committee's perceived need to articulate such a justification reflects the fact that the United States Constitution limits the power that Congress may confer upon its agents. Because each house establishes congressional committees solely to carry out its legislative functions, the committee may request confidential information from the executive branch only to further a legitimate legislative purpose. What they're saying is regardless of what the statute even says, that's the Constitution. While the executive branch should accord due deference and respect to a committee's request, the committee's stated purpose in the April 3 letter blinks reality. It is pretextual. No one could reasonably believe that the committee seeks six years of President Trump's tax returns because of a newly discovered interest in legislating on the presidential audit process. The committee's request reflects the next essay in a long-standing battle, political battle, over the president's tax returns. Consistent with their long-held views, Chairman Neal and other majority members have invoked the committee's authority to obtain and publish these returns. Recognizing that the committee may not pursue exposure for exposure's sake, however, the committee has devised an alternative reason for the request. And the committee's request presents a stark legal question. When faced with a congressional request for confidential taxpayer information, must the Treasury Secretary close his eyes and blindly accept a pretextual justification for that request? Or must the Secretary implement the statute in a manner faithful to constitutional limitations? We believe that the executive's duty to take care that the laws be faithfully executed permits only one answer. Whereas here there is reason to doubt the committee's asserted legislative purpose. Treasury may examine the objective fit between the purpose and the information sought, as well as any other evidence that may bear upon the committee's true objective. In doing so, Treasury acts as a part of a politically accountable branch with a constitutional duty to resist legislative intrusions upon executive power and therefore does not act under the same institutional constraints as the judiciary. What they're saying there is the judiciary stays out of political disputes for the most part and should. But we're talking about these two political branches of government, and they don't have to. Here, because the committee lacked a legitimate 
legislative purpose. Its request did not qualify for the statutory exception to taxpayer confidentiality. And the law required Treasury to deny that request. Now, you watch as the lightweights and the pinheads and the mushmouths all over TV go on and on this weekend about how this suggests more evidence that Bill Barr has sold out. And yet this opinion is signed not by Bill Barr, the Attorney General, but by the Assistant Attorney General in charge of the Office of Legal Counsel, Stephen A. Engel, E-N-G-E-L. And he did a brilliant job, and I'm sure he had a number of uh, of, uh, long-time brilliant attorneys in the Office of Legal Counsel assisting with, uh, with much of the work. So there you are, ladies and gentlemen. That's the bottom line. There's no legislative purpose. That's obvious. And you can't just single out somebody and say, we want your tax returns to make them public. What do they think? This is some kind of fascist regime. And I'll keep using that word because it annoys the left. But it's true, isn't it? Now, ladies and gentlemen, I must confess. I must confess, and I, I have to tell you the truth about this. It's embarrassing to watch Jim Acosta try to hawk his book. Isn't it, Mr. Producer? He went to some kind of book signing the other day, didn't he? And almost nobody showed up. In fact, as the article was written, it said there were more pens than people. And as those of you who go to my book signings know, we sit there for six hours, perhaps, six and a half, five and a half, depending, and sign thousands and thousands of books. And yet Jim Acosta's book is not resonating. Why is that, do you think? Why do you think that is? Well, part of the reason is people know who Jim Acosta is. And you know what this book is? It's a memoir. It's the Jim Acosta memoir. And Jim Acosta's Superman. And Jim Acosta as the defender of the Constitution. It's, it's a perverse book. Written by an individual who is an egomaniac and... and Obviously unhinged in many respects, in my opinion. And we're going to have a little fun with this, uh, because our friends at Newsbusters, Curtis Hauk, unfortunately, he painstakingly had to go through the book, which, of course, no right-thinking person would do unless they're paid to do it. And he found some really pretty over-the-top and hilarious in a sick kind of way quotes out of the book. But Jim Acosta was on my friend Hugh Hewitt's show yesterday. And he wants all you Republicans out there to know he wrote this book for you. This book about himself, he wrote for you. Cut 16, go. You know, some folks may accuse me of writing this book for the resistance. I'll tell you, if you read this book, I'm writing this book uh, also for the Republicans. Uh, because I really feel, you know, deep down in my heart that you know, Republicans are just as patriotic as everybody else, and they want a country handed off to the next generation. Right, 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 right. He believes in his heart. Republicans are just as patriotic as everybody else, folks. And so he's there to defend not only the country and Democrats, but Republicans, too. Because he knows you Republicans are patriotic, and of course, Jim is, is our leader. Go ahead. You, you and I grew up in a country where our parents and grandparents used to say, I want to give to my kids and my grandkids a better country than the one I got. And are we even trying to do that anymore? What, what does this mean? 
He's supposed to be a reporter, ladies and gentlemen. He's supposed to be a professional journalist. He's supposed to be reading, providing the news. That's what he's supposed to be doing. If he's worried about saving the country, he's clearly on the wrong side of events. Want to be part of the, the old patriot press? That's fine. But you're not, Mr. Acosta. You're really quite bizarre, quite frankly. Go ahead. I hope so, but we can't. We're not going to be giving uh, the next generation a better country if it's a place where folks are one segment of the population is referred to the uh, referred to as the enemy of the people. President doesn't refer to a segment of the population as the enemy of the people. That would be the people on the left, including people in the press. We refer to the president's voters and supporters as neo-Nazis and white supremacists and all kinds of names. And that occurs on your own network, Mr. Acosta, on CNN. And I've never heard you speak out against it. Or any of the other phony journalists that line up that uh, schedule. In fact, you're the ones who bring in these guests. Go ahead. Uh, and we're at each other's throats. This is not the kind of political climate we should be handing off. But you guys year. have created this political climate, quite frankly. And you push this political climate. CNN, MSNBC, New York Times, Washington Post, and the rest of them. They push this political climate because they hope it'll drive up their ratings. That's why. And drive up their advertising dollars. You see, folks, being a news organization can be boring. Being an organization that limits or is without opinion dressed up as news can be boring. It's hard work to attract an audience when all you're doing is news. In fact, I know this to be the case because progressives, as you'll note in my book, have said so. This is boring. This is, uh, it's not paint by the numbers, you know. We've, we, we, we've got we've to launder this stuff through the progressive ideology. That's what we've got to do. Go ahead. All right. So his book's doing horribly. And he doesn't care. Well, I think he cares because it's an ego thing. But he doesn't care in the sense that it won't change his attitude. Not in the least. Not now. Not ever. And so uh, our friends at Media Research Center, Curtis Houck, he took a look at some of this. He writes, CNN chief White House correspondents and cartoonishly self-centered Jim Acosta released on Tuesday's 354-page work of narcissism, The Enemy of the People, A Dangerous Time to Tell the Truth in America. And folks, it's everything you thought it would be, and then some. From defending his showboating to admitting that he's at times belligerent on purpose to conceding that fellow journalists loathe him, Acosta's conceit argle, bargle, argle, bargle, showcased Acosta at its worst and the dangers of the liberal media's belief that the First Amendment only concerns them, neglecting how it also gives Americans the right to chant CNN sucks. And so he says, uh, let's take a look at some of this. College students, we get the unvarnished truth on Trump. No time to back down. It's part of his quotes. Page two. I ripped up my original speech for the folks at San Jose State and started from scratch. The students will get the unvarnished truth about what I had been witnessing during my time covering Trump. I was afraid the president... I later told the crowd, was putting our lives in danger. But this was no time to back down. The truth, I argued, was bigger than a president who was acting like a bully. We were in a fight for the truth, and the stakes couldn't be any higher. Page 7. In the decades to come, 
What in the world will we put in our history books to explain what has happened to America? The answer, that depends on what we do right now, because it is all riding on us. I've seen my life turned upside down covering Trump. His attacks on me and my colleagues, dedicated and talented journalists, have real-life consequences. My family and friends worry about my safety. I hope at the end of the day, the sacrifice will be worth it. No, I know it will be. This is really weird. I'm just saying. Doesn't this sound weird, Mr. Producer? And the great difference, again, between my book and his is my book's not about me. There's not, I don't believe the word I is anywhere in there, except maybe in the acknowledgments or in the introduction. Other than that, you won't see the word I. More on Jim Acosta's book. The American public seemed to agree. Ever since that moment at the press conference, people were walking up to me to thank me. At the airport, at the train station, at the grocery store. Yeah, liberal Democrats who hate Trump, you idiot. Page 43. With the public split on its new president, Trump was doubling down on his attacks on the news media at a sacred site, a spot where CIA officers are memorialized for their sacrifices to their country, for defending the same democracy that was supposed to protect a strong free press in America. To the amazement of many in the room, and certainly to many around the world, there was some applause for Trump's latest broadside against journalists. Like so many episodes to come in this new administration, It was at once both stunning and disturbing. Page 145, standing at lectern and brazenly lying to the press is the stuff of despots and dictators. Honestly, it sounded more like something that would have happened back in my dad's native country, Cuba. Page 186, this time, however, a few Trump aides stood right in front of me and began shouting in my face to drown me out. It was an absurd scene straight out of a totalitarian country like China, not the United States. And he goes on. Now, up to this point, a chorus of critics at a variety of news outlets had advised my, me against my taking the bait from the president and responding to his fake news attacks. Trump, they argued, was luring the press into a trap. He wanted to troll and trigger outraged journalists, provoking them into a fight, one that he would always win. These, these critics complained, in my view, the Monday morning quarterbacks were wrong. Trump had crossed a clear, bright line. This was un-American. This should not go unchallenged. There's a little more I want to read. This, I think this guy's a psycho, Mr. Producer. Look, look at the opinion he has of himself. It's a psycho. And I say that with all due respect, of course. That's just my opinion. More on Jim Acosta. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Since its founding in 1844, Hillsdale College has provided students with sound learning of the kind essential to preserving our civil and religious liberty. Now, I want to tell you about Imprimus, the free monthly speech digest of Hillsdale College. Imprimus is dedicated to educating citizens and promoting civil and religious liberty by covering important cultural, economic, political, and educational issues. First published in 1972, Imprimus is one of America's most widely read publications in support of liberty. With more subscribers, 3.9 million, than the Wall Street Journal and the New York Times. And recent Imprimus publications have addressed issues like free speech, the regulation of big tech, mental illness, and the American medical insurance system. And because America's founding principles are so important, Hillsdale offers in Primus app 
absolutely free of charge to anyone who requests it. That's right. You can subscribe to Imprimus for free. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to visit imprimus.hillsdale.edu for your free subscription. That's Imprimus, I-M-P-R-I-M-I-S dot Hillsdale dot E-D-U. Welcome to Hillsdale. Let's finish up here because we don't need to spend the second hour on Acosta, but I just think this is laughably narcissistic. I mean, this is why these people are incapable of reform or circumspection. In the Acosta book, he says, when we interrupt or try to poke a certain, at, at certain vulnerabilities in a press secretary's argument, it's for the purpose of ferreting out information that may well be vital to the American people. When journalists dig and talk to sources who in some cases will disclose what they know only anonymously, it's not for the purpose of behaving as political activists, as so many critics have alleged. It's to find the truth. So call me a showboater or a grandstander or fake news. I will go to my grave convinced deep down in my bones that journalists are performing a public service for the good of the country. The country is better off with reporters in the White House briefing room asking hard questions, even if we sometimes sound a little bit over the top. That noise is the sound that a healthy, functioning democracy makes. Is this guy, is his head as big as it seems? One thing that April and I, she's another leftist, had in common was that Sean Spicer was making things pers- making things personal with both of us. To April, I became her brother from another mother, and she is an African-American woman. April was my sister from another mister. She and I had something else in common. We were both beginning to receive death threats, and at levels we had not experienced before. April would later confide that she had the FBI on speed dial, page 112. I told you before that it's an unfortunate fact that most of us in public life get death threats. And I would suggest to Mr. Costa, I wonder how many death threats the president gets as a result of the coverage at CNN and MSNBC and some of these other places that call him Hitler and Stalin and a white supremacist and all the rest. So this goes on at some length. It is a, well, it's kind of embarrassing as I started out. It's a memoir. It's Jim Acosta against the world. It's Jim Acosta, Mr. America. It's District Jim Acosta defending us from a tyrant and promoting freedom of the speech. Uh, freedom of speech and freedom of the press. This is the problem, isn't it, ladies and gentlemen? Professor Daniel Borston, one of my favorites, I told you, in 1961, his book on pseudo-events, came the head of the Library of Congress. He had this jerk pegged. This is a pseudo-journalist pushing pseudo-events. He's a clown. I'll be right back. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post... Deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, 
everybody. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. Mr. Producer, today is Friday. Do you know what Sunday is? It's Father's Day. Yeah, you would think you would. You have two kids, for crying out loud. Sunday is Father's Day. You can still get a copy of Unfreedom of the Press shipped to your home tomorrow. Can't you, Mr. Producer? Well, you don't want two-day shipping, do you? You want next-day shipping. So you can have it for Saturday to give on Sunday. Oh, Mr. Producer's not on his game. I think he's eating like a steak sandwich. They do deliver on Sunday? Okay, but why wait till Sunday? That's Father's Day. You might be out having dinner, going to church, whatever you're doing. I want to strongly nudge you. Don't wait any longer. Get your copy of Unfreedom of the Press. Go to Amazon.com. Jump in there right now. It's 40% off, only $16.80. Or if you're going to be doing some shopping tomorrow, Father's Day shopping tomorrow, they're wonderful retail stores. Barnes & Noble's done a fantastic job. We have books a million. A Costco has been doing a very, very good job. Walmart, Target, BJ's, Sam's, and even your local independent bookstores. Tomorrow's a big day. So if you're going shopping for Father's Day, you know, let me get a shirt, a tie, a belt, a belt. Okay, boring, boring, boring. I'm just saying. Particularly if your father, your grandfather, your husband, your son, particularly if they're patriots. This book is not about me. It's not like Jim Acosta. It's called Unfreedom of the Press. Unfreedom of the Press. And you've seen me on TV. You've heard me on radio talking about it. And uh, I can't really convey to you in, in, a, in, a, in an adequate way. I can give you a flavor for it in an adequate way what's between the covers of this book. But I want to encourage you to go to Amazon.com and read the comments. Read the five stars. You can read the one stars, too, and it'll tell you what kind of fools those people are. They haven't even read the book. But read the five stars and see what they're saying. I'm very proud of this book. Not because my name's on it. Any, Any fool can write a book and put their name on it. But because it's starting to have an effect, you can hear other talk show hosts talking like I do about the contents of my book. More and more talking about the media, more and more engaging this subject in a relatively intelligent way, right? Even more and more people on TV doing exactly the same thing. More and more politicians doing exactly the same thing. And this is really for the country. That is... It's about the First Amendment. Freedom of the press is about, really, freedom of speech. And we need to right this ship. We'll do it with or without CNN. We'll do it with or without MSNBC or the New York Times or the Washington Post. But facts are facts, and the book lays out the facts and the history, the surveys, also the theories. We address what's news. What's journalism? What's propaganda? What are pseudo-events? This book may truthfully be too smart for most journalists. 
I'm really starting to think that, Mr. Producer. Just might be too smart. When I read the quotes to you, like I did last hour, thanks to our friends at MRC, of what's in Jim Acosta's book, I feel, I feel like he's a schmo. I feel like he's, uh, he's barely literate. Like he's barely literate. Perhaps he wrote the book. Maybe he edited a book. I don't know. But it sounds like, from reading those quotes, that he actually did sit down and write the book, which is probably why it sounds like a fifth grader. Not that there's anything wrong with a fifth grader unless you're 60 years old. You know, you're supposed to sound a little differently. Now, I don't know how many endnotes or footnotes Jim Acosta has. He probably has one to himself. But there's over 400 here, so you can check all my sourcing. I don't mean check it to say, oh, did you get it right or wrong? I mean, if you want to go to the sources of the information, like all my other books, they'll all be available to you. They'll all be available to you. There's a reason why this book, in all its forms, has sold over a quarter million copies in three weeks. And I'm guessing by the end of this week, it'll be 300,000. I don't say, oh, look, Mark's bracket. I'm not telling you that. I'm giving you a sense for what's going on behind the scenes and in the shadows of the publishing industry. It's a different kind of book about the press. It's not paint by the numbers. None of the stuff I write is paint by the numbers. But I really don't want you to miss it on Father's Day. Now's the time to jump in and get your copy for your father, your grandfather, your husband, or your son. All the fathers in your life, as I like to say, now's the time to do it. Because you're running out of time. It's Friday evening. You can get online and do it. Or if you're going to go shopping tomorrow, you can do it. And look, some people are telling me that some of these stores don't have the book. Well, I wouldn't ask you politely to tell them, well, why don't you have the number one book in America? What's that all about? And perhaps go somewhere else and get your copy or go online and get your copy. That we can do, too. Anyway, I was on uh, Fox and Friends this morning. Uh, following me I, at some point after uh, was the president of the United States. Absolutely fascinating. We've never had a president like this who really spends time, believe it or not, talking to the media, the media that he supposedly is destroying, which, of course, is a joke. And um, where, where is this, Mr. Because I'm looking for it. Uh, let me look at Fox and Friends this morning, where I was speaking to Brian Kilmeade, who's a good friend of mine. He's great, as is Ainsley, as is as Steve Ducey. These are wonderful, wonderful people. I mean, good-hearted, decent people. Smart, too. So let's take a whack at this. Cut three from this morning. Go. So Nancy Pelosi Thank goes you. off of the president yesterday. Do you agree with the president said to George Stephanopoulos in the Oval Office? Okay, hold on a second. Let's talk about Nancy Pelosi for once in our lives here, that she's never confronted. Nancy Pelosi just said the president of the United States is guilty of a criminal cover-up. Mm -hmm. That's what they do in fascistic regimes, where a Speaker of the House stands up and accuses people of crimes. If we didn't have a Constitution and these Democrats that run these committees were in charge, it'd be like the French committees during the French Revolution where they'd be declaring people guilty with the guillotine right next to them and lopping their heads off. You know, there is a time when Congress is out of control, and this is one of them. We've seen this throughout our history. These subpoenas are outrageous. They're intended to destroy people. They are unconstitutional. 
Uh, Everybody who receives these unconstitutional subpoenas should be fighting them. They are victims. So I don't mind talking about what the president said. We endlessly talk about what the president says. Mm -hmm. When he sneezes, when he blows his nose, when he brushes his hair, when he gets up in the morning, it's Trump, Trump, Trump. Isn't he a dictator? Isn't he horrible? Can you believe what he said? Let's put the brakes on it. Nancy Pelosi is fascistic. She just declared the president of the United States a criminal based on what? No due process, no court case, no indictment. She stands up there and she announced the president of the United States a criminal. Nadler announces the president of the United States is a criminal. These are the worst kinds of demagogues who are representing the mob, their base. They've taken over the House of Representatives for their own political purposes. Mark, how quickly they forget. In October of 2017, this was the headline of the Washington Post. Clinton campaign, DNC, paid for research that led to Russia dossier. And then Brian Fallon said to the Washington Post that same month, he was the ex-Clinton staffer, he said, the first I learned of Christopher Steele or saw any dossier was after the election. But if I had gotten handed it last fall, I would have had no problem passing it along and urging reporters to look into it. Opposition research happens on every campaign. And here you had probably the most shadowy guy ever running for president. And the FBI certainly has seen fit to look into it. I probably would have volunteered to go to Europe myself to try and verify if it would have helped get more of this out there before the election. Your thoughts? Well, these people are liars and they're hypocrites. Of course, look at that. He would have done... Uh, he, he would have done that dirty work in two seconds. And the fact of the matter is Hillary Clinton and the DNC did it. Tell me, why doesn't George Stephanopoulos sit down with Nancy Pelosi and say, uh, Hillary Clinton and her campaign and the DNC laundered money in order to buy false information from the Russians to use against the president of the United States, which was used by the Obama administration at the top levels of the FBI and the intelligence committees and our corrupt FISA court system. Tell me, Nancy Pelosi, do you agree with that? I mean, that's a fact. It's not a hypothetical. The president of the United States has never taken information from foreign governments. He's never used it as opposition research. So for the past two days, we're dealing with a pseudo event. It's not news. It never happened. Just because Democrat Clintonoid uh, George Stephanopoulos sets up the president with a question like that. Now we're going to discuss it all week. And Nancy Pelosi, true to form. Well, maybe this should be one of the issues that we look at in terms of our investigation. The House and the Senate have a responsibility. It's legislative. These endless oversight hearings, which are intended to destroy a president and win a re-election, they're unconstitutional. And their fascistic conduct and their fascistic statements need to be called on the carpet. This is our country. This is our Constitution. And when she stands there and says, we're there to uh, represent the people and we're here to defend the Constitution, no, she's not. Not in the least. And then finally, cut four, go. But Mark, there's somebody who might agree with you in unfreedom of the press and the premise behind it. And it is, uh, might be Ronan Farrow. He was quoted after picking up an award saying uh, some people in the media are honest and others at the same time uh, see people who have lied to protect power. When you uh, go right your book and just talk about how the press seems to have picked a side, is that what you've discovered? Well, I've discovered that and a lot more, which is this. The media in this country are destroying freedom of the press. We don't even need studies to tell us. We have our own eyes. We have our own ears. 
day in and day out. Are they reporting news? Are they giving information to the American people that are helpful to their lives so they can make decisions about their families, their communities, about their government? No. It's an endless attack, and it's propaganda, and it's day in and day out. Russia collusion for two and a half years. Did anybody get fired as a result of that? No. Any of these executives like Zucker pushing this? He got a promotion from AT&T. They're doing an enormous disservice to this country. The purpose of a free press is to serve the American people, like this, uh, like this Acosta. He goes in the middle of a press conference, he tries to monopolize it, he disrupts it, and now he's running around like he's, uh, he's the savior of the First Amendment. He's a self-promoter. That's what he is. These are pseudo-events surrounded by propaganda. It's the worst lightweights that you could ever see in the media today. You accept it, of course. Thank you. accept it, of course. Thank you. But I'm talking about these newsrooms. There's no diversity right. in most of these newsrooms. None. All right. That's all we're going to play. But I want to uh, thank Fox and Friends and Kilmeade and Ducey and Ainsley. And I want to thank uh, Sean Hannity for the night before and all those people who are interested in my take on the so-called press. That is the modern mass media that not only fails to promote freedom of the press, but is destroying it. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. President of the United States. Shortly after I was on uh, Fox and Friends, he was on Fox and Friends. Obviously, he's the big draw. And he's fascinating to me when he talks to the media and so forth. I mean, we've never seen a president willing to be so available to the media. They, well, we don't have any more press conferences. Well, you can thank Acosta for that. But you do get access to the president. You get access to the president far more often than he ever got access to uh, Barack Obama, who would do his filibuster thing. And so Ainsley Earhart asked the president a question. Let's go. Cut five. Go. Mr. President, was there a criminal cover-up? Well, you know what? I'll, I'll go with what Mark Levin said, because nobody could say it better. It's a fascist statement. It's a disgraceful statement. Stop right there. All day long, they've played the president's response, and they've cut out that portion. Have you noticed that, Mr. Producer? All over TV today. All over TV newsrooms all over, even our friends. They cut out that part, and they pick it up right here. Go ahead. I call her Nervous Nancy. She's a nervous wreck. And I'll tell you what, for her to make a statement like that is outrageous. Her party got caught spying. I mean, if you look at what happened, Hillary Clinton, with the money that ultimately went to Russia for the fake dossier, that total fake pile of stuff that... Money gets paid. And by the way, the amount of money that was paid and was paid by Hillary Clinton and the DNC and it went to Russia. That's the criminal. And when you look at when you look at what happened in terms of the campaign, when you look at what happened in terms of the spying, she never mentions that. Isn't it amazing that constantly every day somebody gets a letter come into Congress, come into Congress, because, you know, it's like death. And by the way, by the way, he means a subpoena, a letter for a subpoena. Go ahead wounds. And I will tell you, it's so unfair what they're doing, and I really think that people are wise to it. But when Nancy Pelosi makes a statement like that, she ought to be ashamed of herself. It's a disgrace. Now, you have some people in the media, including this uh, format, 
who are trying to twist what the president said when he was asked by George uh, Stephanopoulos, the uh, hemorrhoid, I mean Clintonoid, uh, the president of the United States, if you got, you know, information from a foreign country, what would you do with it? Some of these guys just think they're so clever. Well, this and the president meant that. The president answered it the right way. I mean, essentially what he said early on was, look, I'll look at it. It's opposition research. If there's something in there that you go to the FBI, I'll give it to the FBI. I might do both. It's a perfectly good answer. It's not a trick answer. It's not to set up the media. It's, not, it's a perfectly good answer. Cut six, go. I've had a lot of support. Uh, first of all, I don't think anybody would present me with anything, Ben, because they know how much I love this country. Nobody's going to present me with anything, Ben. Number two, if I was, and of course you have to look at it, because if you don't look at it, you're not going to know if it's bad. How are you going to know if it's bad? But of course you'd give it to the FBI or report it to the attorney general or somebody uh, like that. But of course you'd do that. You wouldn't. You couldn't have that happen with our country. And everybody understands that. And I thought it was made clear. In fact, I actually said said uh, at the beginning i think i said i'd do both but how are you going to if you don't hear what it is uh you don't right. know what it is i mean That's how can right. you report how something you know it's that bad you if you don't listen to it so mr president I, no no they say oh right. he would he would accept it well if i don't listen you're not going to know now if i thought anything was incorrect or badly stated i'd report it to the attorney general the fbi i'd report it to law enforcement absolutely People are saying he's backpedaling. He's not backpedaling in the least. Just listen to what the man says. Stop trying to twist it. Just listen to what the man says. It's like Charlottesville. Listen to what the man says. Listen to what he says, his intent, and the context. It's perfectly rational. I'll be right back. With a daily fake news dump pouring through your TV, mobile phones and computers, you may have missed some real news like the recent study in the journal Cell Metabolism. Scientists suspected a correlation between growing rates of obesity and processed foods, but what this study discovered was that these foods also appear to lead people to overeat. Here's the bottom line. You need fresh fruits and vegetables in your diet, which is why I recommend that you start taking Field of Greens by Brickhouse Nutrition. Just one scoop of Field of Greens has a full serving of real USDA-certified organic fruits and vegetables. It helps boost your immunity using antioxidants, prebiotics, and probiotics. This is real food, not some fake supplement lab powder. Just read the nutrition facts panel on the side. Go to BrickhouseLevin.com, that's BrickhouseLevin.com, and you'll get 15% off your first order with the offer code LEVIN. You know you're not going to start cooking fresh fruits and vegetables, so let's not pretend. Just get one full cup of fruits and one full cup of vegetables every day with Field of Greens. Go to BrickHouseLevin.com, BrickHouseLevin.com, offer code LEVIN. talk back to your radio then you must be listening to mark levin pick up the phone and call 877-381-3811 you know i i really have to laugh this kellyanne conway stuff really 
She violated the Hatch Act, ladies and gentlemen. Did Lanny Davis violate the Hatch Act? Did George Stephanopoulos violate the Hatch Act? I go down the list of the leftists over and over. Did Hillary Clinton violate the Espionage Act? Oh, yes. Thousands of times. And they're worried about Kelly and Conway and the Hatch Act. These people think they, they, they're, they're going to fool us. They think they're going to change our minds. Kellyanne Conway is terrific. She's strong. We're all the left-wing women. Shouldn't they be rallying around her? I mean, you see the media rallying around Acosta, who's a reprobate, and here you have Kellyanne Conway, a professional woman. She started a business. She sold it, very successful, intelligent, has a slob for a husband, but nonetheless, and they attack her. It's like, uh, it's like Sanders. She's outstanding. Another professional woman, successful, articulate, strong. They trash her. Now, if you and I trash a liberal woman, obviously we have problems with women, right? You must be a misogynist. No, actually, you're confusing us with virtually every male Democrat leader in the country. But that's the, that's, that's the ticket they pull on that. But they can trash Republican women, conservative women, all they want. All they want. No problem. No problem at all. You don't hear, where's Gillibrand? By the way, is she the most pathetic candidate of the bunch? I mean, and there are a lot of screwballs. Is she the most pathetic? And may I say, may, may I say this? Her screeching does her no good. Oh, my goodness, you said that because she's a woman. No, no, I said it because she screeches. She's a screecher, that's all. There are guys who are screechers, too. People transitioning, no doubt, they're screechers. She's a screecher. Stands for nothing. Not, it's like Cory Booker stands for... Half of them have changed their positions. I heard one jerk, Democrat, consult. But that means they've grown. You have a problem with it? They haven't grown, you idiot. They're chameleons. You know, since the beginning of the year, I've been warning you about the effort by the left to bring about socialized medicine. And the fact is, that's exactly what they're doing. Think about this. Bernie the Red Sanders, who steals his policies from the 1936 Soviet Constitution, Chapter 10, as I pointed out on Hannity last night, Bernie Sanders and almost the entire 2020 crowd of left-wing radical Democrats are seriously intent on eliminating all private health insurance coverage and all Medicare insurance coverage in order to nationalize the U.S. health care system. All told, an estimated 250 million Americans who rely on private or employer-provided health plans and countless millions of American seniors on Medicare will be stripped of their rightfully earned benefits and thrown into a massive one-size-fits-all federally managed program. And as I listen to this, ladies and gentlemen, the president has four or five huge issues to run on in which he will crush his opponent if his campaign really focuses on it. This is one of them. When you tell the American people that the president's opponent wants to eliminate all private health care and all medical and all Medicare coverage, that's a winner. Because nobody wants that. When you tell the American people that, that your opponent 
refuses to want to secure the border despite their pablum. That's a winner and so forth. Those are good issues. All told, as I said, an estimated 250 million Americans who rely on private or employer-provided health care, countless millions of American seniors on Medicare, which is into the 70 millions, actually, will be stripped of their rightfully earned benefits and thrown into a massive one-size-fits-all federally managed program with illegal aliens, by the way, who haven't paid anything into Medicare. Anything. It'll cost an estimated $32 trillion. Not even doubling current federal taxes could come close to paying for it. And what will you get? And I meant trillion. What will you get for your $32 trillion? Rationing, access restrictions, shortages, waiting lists, massive new taxes, unnecessary deaths, the destruction of investment, capital investment, R&D, into new medical and technological breakthroughs, a disaster. Now, fortunately... Conservative and free market organizations like the American Conservative Union and our friends at Consumer Action for a Strong Economy are uniting to stop them. And they just launched the Coalition Against Socialized Medicine, the Coalition Against Socialized Medicine, to educate the public and elected officials on the dangers of socialist health care pipe dreams, including those coming from both Democrats and soft Republicans. Go to nosocializedmedicine.org to learn more and take action. Again, that's nosocializedmedicine.org, nosocializedmedicine.org. There are some websites that claim to be conservative but are really not, and one of them is the American Conservative. And one of their writers is Daniel Larison. I don't know who the hell Daniel Larison is, and you don't either, but I want to point it out. And he writes a piece... Pompeo's big nuclear deal lies. See, ladies and gentlemen, Iran is on the move. The Islamo-Nazis want to merv their missiles, put on nuclear warheads. They don't make any secret of it. They've killed hundreds and hundreds of Americans, and they want to kill thousands and thousands more. So I did the interview of uh, Secretary Pompeo, an extremely bright man, a patriot, who was head of the CIA and now is head of the State Department and is serving the president very, very well. And Iran's on the move. Iran is blowing up oil tankers. Iran is our enemy. Just listen to them. They'll tell you that. So here's how this clown, Daniel Larison, begins his piece at the American Conservative. It's not the American uh, Conservative. It'll be called the America Code Pink website. Pompeo was on the Mark Levin show yesterday, and he gave this ridiculous answer to one of Levin's unhinged questions. Question. Let me move to Iran. Now, this is a terrorist state. This has been a problem since I was in the Reagan administration, obviously, and even before during the Carter administration. They've just gotten more aggressive. They're conquering neighbors. They're inciting terrorist activities. They're funding terrorist activities. They're responsible for the death of God knows how many American soldiers. And I've been reading lately that they are sprinting towards their goals of ICBMs with nuclear warheads. Do we know anything more about this? So that's an unhinged question, you see. According to low IQ Daniel Larison, if that is his name. And Pompeo says, Mark, what I can say is this. The deal that the previous administration entered into actually greenlighted much of the activity that you're seeing in Iran today. Certainly the missile activity, which was prohibited, now is less so, less constrained. Their capacity, that is to deliver heavy payloads, which could include nuclear warheads over longer distances with more accuracy, 
was freed up. And importantly, too, there was a whole lot of money. There was a lot of wealth created for Iran by lifting the sanctions and giving them the capacity to pay scientists, bring a material, do all the things you need to do to build out a full suite of nuclear weapons capabilities, from the weapon systems to the delivery vehicles to the Faisal material that goes with that. It was the central flaw of what John Kerry and President Obama negotiated. He greenlighted their capacity to do that and created the wealth that underpins a capable program. All right. Something wrong with that? Well, here comes this clown. There's a lot wrong with Pompeo's answer, but the most important part was his indulgence of Levin's premise that Iran is sprinting towards their goal of ICBMs with nuclear warheads. Iran does not have a goal of building ICBMs or nuclear warheads. The Iranian government has repeatedly disavowed this intention. They are a party to the non-listen to this idiot to the non-proliferation treaty, and they have complied with the terms of the JCPOA for more than three years. They can hardly be sprinting towards something they're not trying to do. I don't know where Levin has supposedly read this claim, but whatever his source was, it is completely untrue. A minimally responsible public official would not indulge or encourage this baseless speculation, but that is exactly what Pompeo does. Pompeo repeats a number of falsehoods, and it goes on. Now, I don't know who this jackass is, but he's obviously a, uh, an isolationist, is what he is. And this is a very small wing within the conservative movement. It's not even part of the conservative movement. And yet they use the words American conservative, the American conservative. No, they're not. They're quizlings. Quizlings. They're the soft underbelly. Iran is building a military for the region and nuclear capability for us. Why else would they need it? Iran is undertaking terrorist acts, and it has for decades. And it's not just Pompeo and Mark Levin, and it's not just the President of the United States. Carter, Reagan, Bush, Clinton, Bush. Of course, Obama was a, uh, was a sellout. And Trump. But somehow Daniel Larison of the American conservative knows better than the former head of the CIA, and Secretary of State. After all, ladies and gentlemen, Iran doesn't lie. They're part of the non-proliferation treaty for crying out loud. They don't lie. They're to be believed by this by this clown. Pompeo's big nuclear deal lies. No, pal, you're looking in the mirror and it's not very pretty. Fact. Fact. There's video of what the Iranians did to these uh, oil ships in the Gulf of Oman, these tankers, where they blew them up, and that's four now that they've blown up. Now, let me tell you the truth. This is going to be hard for some people to hear, including at the so-called American conservative. Let me tell you the truth. And unfortunately, I have to put it this way. I'm not a neocon. They hate my guts. I'm not an interventionist the way that McCain was or the way Rubio is at the drop of a hat. That's not me. But I do believe in a strong national security. I'm a Reaganite. Those navigable waters need to be open. 
for our sake and the sake of the world. The Iranians have killed enough Americans. Hezbollah actually is active in our hemisphere, including in our country, drug trafficking. There have been many articles read on that, uh, about this. Apparently the American conservative uh, doesn't do very much research. Iran is a dangerous, dangerous country. And the fact of the matter is, if it continues to attack in navigable waters, oil tankers, if it continues to threaten us, which is why we've beefed up our military there, you ready for this? Then it needs to be hit. I'm not saying all-out war, but it needs to be hit. You cannot continue to allow a country like this to do what it's doing in Yemen, to do what it's doing to Saudi Arabia, to do what it's doing in Iraq, to do what it's doing in Syria, to do what it's doing with Israel, to do what it's doing first and foremost with the United States, and keep turning the other cheek. Because in the end, that results in more casualties, not less. More casualties, not less. That's why you have to stand up to Red China at some point, which is exactly what this president's doing, which is also why I do not understand some of these never-Trumpers who are more concerned about words in tweets and comments the president makes than the actual actions he's taking. And while I'm on the subject, well, I have to take a break. But I want to comment briefly on Alan Dershowitz, who many of you have come to love, but is, in fact, in fact, an entrenched Democrat. Says a lot of good things, but he is what he is. When I come back. Mark Lovin. If you have a moment, I want you all to go to BrickHouseLevin.com. Just go there and click on the Buy Now button so you can read the reviews. Over 1,200 five-star reviews, I might add. But this one caught my attention from Steve in Denver. I'm upset with Mark because he's got me hooked on Field of Greens. What a great product. Thank you, BrickHouse, for your amazing product and great customer service. I'm a monthly subscriber, and I won't live without it. And you're welcome, Steve. And subscribing is smart. You save money that way. Field of Greens is made with real USDA organic fruits and vegetables and helps boost your immunity using antioxidants, prebiotics, and probiotics. Plus, they offer a 100% satisfaction guarantee or your money back. Go to BrickHouseLevin.com or call 833-RING-BHN. Get 15% off your first order with promo code LEVIN. That's BrickHouseLevin.com or call 833-RING-BHN, promo code LEVIN. By the way, I have nothing against Alan Dershowitz. I, he, he appears to be a very likable guy, and he's very sincere, and he's, he's very consistent. So let me say that, number one. Number two, he's not a conservative. He never has been. And while he's right about the vast majority of what he's been saying in the lead-up to the spectacle that we're facing now as a nation, he said that he would vote for Joe Biden enthusiastically. Now, one of the things that Alan Dershowitz is known for, and he's written about this, is his support for Israel. Well, the worst administration of modern times when it comes to American relations, American governmental relations with Israel, was the Obama administration, of which Joe Biden was vice president. 
the Iran deal, which Joe Biden supported. And so I must ask, Professor Dershowitz, you say you would enthusiastically support Biden over Trump, and yet you've written very articulately and, you know, about your support for Israel. Has there been a president who's supported Israel more than, than Trump? I can think of almost every president who supported Israel more than Obama since the state has been founded. In fact, Obama, Biden, their treatment of Israel was disgusting. O'Biden's embrace of the mother, Muslim Brotherhood, whether it was uh, in Egypt and otherwise, is, uh, is known. President Trump, it's contrary. He sees Iran for what it is. He sees the Muslim Brotherhood for what it is and Hezbollah and Hamas, the Palestinian Authority. And he's moved our embassy to Jerusalem after recognizing Jerusalem as the capital of Israel. I go on and on and on with the Golan Heights. In Judea and Samaria, hopefully one day. This is what I don't get about, and I say this as a Jew, this is what I don't get about liberal Jews. I just don't get it. It's, uh, it's really quite, uh, quite bizarre. They'd support Biden? Biden? You know, a few things in life can change your entire outlook on the day. Call from your boss asking you to work the weekend, early construction uh, right outside your bedroom window in the morning when you want to sleep in. Now, that'll ruin your day. How about when you check your, uh, your check engine light comes on? Now, that usually means thousands of dollars in repairs. That's why I have CarShield. CarShield makes the process of fixing your car for a covered repair super easy. You can have your favorite mechanic or dealership do the work. It's up to you, your choice. They also provide 24-7 roadside assistance and a rental car while yours is being fixed. For free. If your car has 5,000 to 150,000 miles, it doesn't mean you have to pay high repair bills. We have CarShield on our 2010 Camaro. It's terrific. It's a terrific service. CarShield administrators have paid out close to $2 billion in claims, and they're ready to help you. Don't let your check engine light change your life. Get uncovered by the ultimate in extended vehicle protection like I did. Call 800-CAR-6000 and mention code LEVIN or visit carshield.com. Use code LEVIN, L-E-V-I-N, to save 10%. That's carshield.com, code LEVIN, or call 800-CAR-6000 and mention code LEVIN. A deductible may apply. Again, this is not meant to be hostile or provocative or anything of the sort, but it's bizarre to me. President should have 90% support in the Jewish community. He should have 97% support in the Catholic community, given his position on abortion. But he doesn't. Because too many in these communities, well, basically their faith is government, their faith is liberalism. uh, And uh, that's just the truth. I'll be right back. Do you wake up in the morning feeling sluggish and have to drag yourself through your day? Do you feel bloated, tired, and out of shape? Eating healthy is a habit, but most of us don't really know exactly what we should be eating, right? How much we should be eating and how to properly prepare it. This is why I drink Field of Greens every morning before I start my day. Just one scoop of Field of Greens has a full serving of real USDA-certified organic fruits and vegetables. 
Helps boost your immunity using antioxidants, prebiotics, and probiotics. Now this is real food, not some fake supplement lab powder. Just read the nutrition facts panel on the side. Go to BrickHouseLevin.com and get 15% off your first order with the offer code LEVIN. Now you know you're not going to start cooking fresh fruits and vegetables, so let's not pretend. Just get one full cup of fruits and one full cup of vegetables every day with Field of Greens. Go to BrickHouseLevin.com, BrickHouse, L-E-V-I-N.com, offer code LEVIN. He's here. He's here. Now broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello everybody, Mark Levin here, our number 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. One of the things that's very troubling to me is the extent to which our enemies get support among the Democrats when the enemy is the problem. You know, they talk about, oh, Trump and his friendship with dictators. It's Trump who confronts these dictators, whether China, Russia, Iran, North Korea even, so forth. He has his own way of doing it. And yet I... It's the Democrats who immediately jump to the defense of the dictators in, a, in their own way by accusing the president of the United States of being a warmonger. How can you accuse Donald Trump of being a warmonger, of all people? And yet this is what's done. You have Beto O'Rourke on PBS NewsHour. By the way, why do we have PBS and NBR? I really don't get it. We don't need them. If you want to get cable or dish or direct TV, you got a thousand channels. So this is Beto O'Rourke and Judy Woodruff, another so-called reporter. Cut eleven. And by the way, these are le- these reporters who are supposed to keep powerful people in check, correct? But if they're on the payroll of government-subsidized media, isn't that a little weird? They shouldn't be, should they? Anyway, Pedro O'Rourke, PBS NewsHour today. Go ahead. The Secretary of State Pompeo says their U.S. assessment is that Iran is responsible for the attacks on two oil tankers in the Gulf of Oman. Do you believe him, number one? And second, if, it's, if this is Iran that's behind this, what should the U.S. do right now? What I believe is that this is an administration that is gunning for war. So stop. So Iran attacks, attacks oil tankers. And this is just the latest stuff that Iran has done. And we're gunning for war. These really are hate America first leftists, aren't they? We're gunning for war? Not gunning for anything. Go ahead. Um, what I believe is that we can resolve our differences with that country, which are significant peacefully, without invading yet another country in the Middle East. I want to make sure that we get to the bottom of the facts and find the evidence that the Secretary of State is talking about. I want to make sure that we convene the stakeholders in the region to address the instability that we see there. And I want to make sure that we rejoin our partners, our friends and alliances that this president has turned his back on so that we can achieve our foreign policy goals in the Middle East. Whoa, 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 whoa. And notice she doesn't interrupt them. 
The Gulf states like never before are aligned with the United States. Israel and the Gulf states like never before are aligned with each other, all against Iran. I don't believe we've ever seen anything like this. And Beto O'Rourke rambles on like he knows what the hell he's talking about when he doesn't know anything he's talking about. We have our partners and friends and allies in the region like we haven't had in a very, very long time. Go ahead. Ron and throughout the rest of the world. All right. Incredible. No wonder he has like zero support. And that's why he's on PBS, I guess. But don't you find this appalling? They're always attacking us and the president of the United States and the secretary of state and Bolton. The soft Republicans who would get us in danger, these isolationist Republicans, I call them code pink Republicans. There's not a lot of them, but there's too many of them. Who join in with the hard left Bernie Sanders Democrats when it comes to national security and foreign policy. They always have to have their boogeymen, you see. So it's John Bolton and Mike Pompeo. But for them, Donald Trump would be doing things differently. Donald Trump calls the shots. Donald Trump calls the shots. If you don't know that by now, you'll never know it. It's Friday. Sunday is Father's Day. I've been talking a lot. If I've taken a single call, Mr. Producer, in the first two hours and ten minutes of this program, I don't think I have. Let's see what's going on out there. I always want to find out what's cooking. Tyler, Traverse City, Michigan, the great WTCM. Go. Hello, Mr. Levin. Tyler, baby, go for it. How you doing, baby? All right. All right. Well, listen, I bought your book. I'm in the middle of it. And uh, I also bought I, I bought it on the... Um, the other website so that I can get your uh, your autograph. What was that one? Pre- Premier Collectibles. Thank you, sir. Yes. Yes. So I bought that one, too. So I'm going to give one away. But I just wanted to wish you a happy Father's Day. Well, and, thank you. Uh, same to you. Assuming you're a father. Same to you, my friend. Yes, I am, sir. Well, I and, appreciate uh, that. And I appreciate you acquiring those books. In terms of signing books, I have another thousand that's to sign for Premier Collectibles if people are interested. I, honestly, I just haven't gotten around to it. And then that'll be the end of it. So, Tyler, I want to thank you. God bless you, my friend. Joe, Astoria, New York, the great WABC. Go. Hi, Mark. Good evening. It's nice to talk to you. Good evening. I you at the Huntington signing. I was the guy who told you that I liked when you slapped Biden and, um, and Liberal Schmoll around. <laughs> okay, thank you. <laughs> Yeah, you know what? I'm about 40 pages in. I bought that book three times, and every time I wind up buying it, I wind up giving it away to somebody to pass it on, like you said. So it's Thank on you. my Father's Day list for the weekend, and um, hopefully I can get one. Thank um, you. Um, I wanted to um, make a point, and then I wanted to just ask you something quick before I left, so please, please don't hang up. Um, I'm 40 pages into your book, Mark, and I was listening to you in the 6.30 hour, and you put that up against... Jim Acosta's self-serving nature, um, and your book is just like, it's a roadmap, and it like, it teaches us, for those who are uneducated. Does it talk about me at all, by the way? 
Yes, you know, Mark, you made that. There's, no, there's not a word in that book about no, me no. once you get into it. I think it's in the acknowledgments. I'm 40 pages in, Mark, and I know that's only a short sample, but it's just what you laid out with the Obama administration and how they're involved in so much in network and TV and the press. Mark, it's disgusting. You yes. don't see any of the previous administrations like this, Democrat or Republican. They're, they're entrenched on media, and you, you lay it out so marvelously. In, in this book, and, and I look forward to reading, you know, more of it when when I obtain a new copy. And all right, um, Joe, don't hang up. We'll send you a new copy. Don't hang up. Let's send Joe a new signed copy. I appreciate it, my friend. Everybody calling about the book. You don't have to call about the book to get on. You know, you can call about other things. It's okay. Trust me. Cameron, Los Angeles, California, eight seventy. The answer, the great K R L A, where we are live and national. Go right ahead. Hey, Mark. Honored to be here. I'm a young 27-year-old lawyer, second-year lawyer. I read on Freedom of the Press. It's an excellent book. Your sourcing is beyond reproach. People can look at the original materials, just like a law review article. And I just today gave my secretary and our receptionist at our firm copies of the book. Thank you. Um, I wanted to comment on one thing that I think goes to your... It dovetails nicely with your... Uh, chapter on the New York Times, as well as uh, your comments that people wrap themselves in the Constitution while they're also trying to destroy liberty, um, and that is uh, Justice Jackson's dissent in Terminello versus Chicago. Mm-hmm. It's after he returned from the Nuremberg trials, and uh, I've done quite a bit of research, and as far as I know, he, this is the only opinion where he references his experiences at Nuremberg and the Holocaust, and it's a free speech case. Um, and you might disagree with uh, some of his references there, uh, you know, some of the reasoning, especially his quote of uh, Woodrow Wilson. But uh, he discusses the effect uh, and how Nazis wrap themselves in uh, the cloak of supposed liberty while at the same time. By the way, you know who one of his clerks was? William Rehnquist. I did not know that Justice Rehnquist clerked yes. for Justice Jackson. Absolutely like, did. Justice. Yep. <laughs> Um, well, I, I had the, the privilege of uh, being the editor-in-chief of a 450-page volume on the Nuremberg Trials. Uh, Good for with you. The, with the International March of the Living. Um, we uh, combined with them, and, and uh, Professor Gersowitz uh, did a video for us. And, yep. Um, it formed my views, and I'm a big, big fan of yours, and I think that you would enjoy reading Justice Jackson's dissent in Terminello versus Chicago, and I'd be interested to hear your thoughts on how that... Uh, dovetails. And I will also, do that. It goes to your this last thing. Goes to your point in the New York Times. Uh, the New York Times chapter. Justice Jackson and General Eisenhower both made comments about how the American public was kept in the dark uh, about the Holocaust and had no idea the extent of the atrocities that were being committed on the Jews in Germany and Poland. And um, you know that uh, now in hindsight, and I'm sure if Justice Jackson knew this. All right. Uh, it was because the narrative was being purposefully supported. All right, my friend. I really, really appreciate it. And I will check out that dissent. And I appreciate it. And I appreciate you. God bless you, my friend. Um, I'm trying to see here. Did I already went to Joe, right? I'm trying to remember here. All right. Let's go to Mike. Also Los Angeles, California. How are you, sir? Hi, Mark. Yes, sir. Hi, Mark. Um, listen, I just wanted to call and tell you, I, it was driving me crazy when you were talking about that guy, Daniel, who was talking about the Iranians never lie. Yeah, um, yes. 
I'm a Vietnam vet. I'm, I'm, I'm in business right now, and I deal with all kinds of people. And I can tell you this. There are two kinds that I have dealt with that you can never take them at their word. And I don't mean to dis- disparage. There's some really sweet people that are Iranians. There are some really sweet Korean people. But the fact of the matter is, when you're dealing with them, you have to... All right, sir. Thank you. (laughs) I'm talking about the Iranian regime. And I have to say, the Iranians I've met in this country are patriotic as hell. And same with the South Koreans and other Koreans I've met in this country. Same thing. Patriotic as hell. So uh, we're not going to allow you to come on here and do that. But I want to thank you for your service. But... uh, Let's keep moving. What do you say? Nathan, Savannah, Georgia, the great WTKS. Go. Hey, Mark. Um, I, I cannot thank you enough for taking my call. Thank I you. have bought 10 copies of your book on freedom. You, of the you must be a rich guy. No, I'm not rich. I clean swimming pools for a living, but I got oh a lot of lids on my route. Um, Aren't you I'm unbelievable? I'm uh, Mark, I'm giving every one of them with love. I'm going to sign it like my grandma used to sign books to me and ask them, please read this with love. And um, I just want to tell you that um, that you, you've you done so much for this country. I, I cannot thank you enough. I've been on hold forever and glad to do it. And I, I just want to tell you that um, I, I wanted to be the first, but let me just give you a happy Father's Day. Thank you. And and one other thing I want to tell you, Mark, I'm the guy yes, that sir. called you that's getting the young kids to download the Mark Levin app. I'm up to 55. Oh, you know um, what? I really, I mean, you're like a great PR guy for me. I, I want to thank you very, very much, Nathan. And I want to send you a signed copy as well of Unfreedom of the Press. So don't hang up. I mean, uh, what you're doing is extraordinary. And I appreciate it. Wow, there's a lot of great people out there, not just because you buy books, but because you're concerned about the future of the country and you're spreading the word. And God bless you all. We'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Tom Okeechobee, Florida, Sirius Satellite. Go. Good afternoon, Mark. It's an honor to talk to you. I'm a new Levinite. It's been less than a year, but I feel smarter already. Aren't you kind? Thank you, sir. (laughs) My question is, back to the earlier with the tax thing, what does these Congress people hope to do if they get his tax returns? I mean, it's not news. Mr. Trump has a ton of money. I mean, what is it that they're up to? They will accuse him of being a tax cheat. They will accuse him of criminal activity. They will bring in their phony experts who are auditors and CPAs to try and undergird those positions. They're not interested in how the IRS handles a president's tax return. They're only interested in Donald Trump's tax returns. And so, see, for me, it isn't as some people just release them. No, 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 no. That's not what's going on here. This is the most successful businessman to ever be president of the United States. And he's not a career politician. They would never do this to a career politician. They would never do it to Obama. And, you know, we conservatives, we have to have some standards. We have to have some consistent principles here. And it's, oh, we want transparency. That's nothing to do with transparency. Nancy Pelosi won't release her tax returns. The media won't even ask her. I'm the only person that asks her publicly. 
They release her tax returns, her and her, she and her husband. They're worth $100 million. How did they get their money? He's a real estate investor. He's a financial investor. She's in charge of every piece of legislation that comes through the uh, House of Representatives, the spending bills, the borrowing bills, the authorization bills. She's in charge of all the committees. She decides who the committee chairman are, ultimately. Okay, she has an enormous amount of power. There's lobbyists lined up at her door. Okay, we want to see her tax returns for the same reason, and her bank accounts and her financial information and that of her husband's. And while we're at it, she's got five kids. We don't even know what their names are. We want to see them, too, just as they want to see the Trump kids. I mean, that's the point. The point is they're doing this to attack a single citizen, a single president, and that's not what Congress is supposed to be doing, period. Hello? I agree. Yeah, I'm listening. I'm, I'm getting smarter every second. I'm done. <laughs> Thanks. All right, my friend. I appreciate your call. Lou, Cortez, Colorado, XM Satellite. Go, Lou. Oh, I'm delighted to speak with you, Mark. Yes. Uh, it'll be the first time I've talked to you. Uh, but I, I've been uh, kind of curious about why there hasn't been more said about Joe Biden's recent remark uh, concerning his uh, uh, slogan to make America America again. Well, I mean, how many times can we say it? That's Avenatti's line. Uh, Joe can't help it. He's plagiarizing. That's what he does. That's what his campaign. Look, here's the truth. Joe Biden is a dumb guy. Okay, he's a dumb guy. He's always been a dumb guy. He was a dumb guy in college, a dumb guy in law school, a dumb guy in the Senate, a dumb vice president, and he's a dumb candidate. Joe Biden is a dumb guy, and they're propping him up. I've heard some people say, or I'm told some people say, the media really don't want Joe Biden. I think the media really do want Joe Biden. It doesn't mean he's going to make it, but they feel he'll do very well in some of these uh, states that Trump won very narrowly, like Michigan and Pennsylvania and Wisconsin, whereas the radical hardcore leftists will have a tougher time. And I have to be honest with you, I'm concerned about it too. I'm concerned about these states too, whether it's Biden or somebody else. But Joe Biden is propped up. He has said racist things. He has said uh, bizarre things. He has, he has taken outrageous positions during the course of his career. They say he's a nice dunce. He's not a nice dunce. He's an evil guy. The way he treated Bob Bork, the way he treated Clarence Thomas, people forget. Oh, poor Anita Hill. What do you mean, poor Anita Hill? It's Clarence Thomas who was the victim in that. Anyway, Lou, I want to thank you for your call, my friend. I appreciate it. Oh, yes, uh, Joe Biden, the lovable dunce and liar. There's nothing lovable about this guy. You got to know who he is and what he's done over his half century on the uh, public dole. Nobody even cares about his tax returns. All he had is government money, subsidies, pensions, medical care. Trump's been in the private sector his whole life. We'll be right back. Levin Show, live and national at 877-381-3811. Let's see. Blaze TV, is that correct? It is correct, Mr. Producer. Well, here's the thing. Levin TV started about, what, three and a half years ago, give or take? And then we've expanded it to what was called CRTV. And then we merged and now we have Blaze TV. And this is what you have to do if you're going to be at the point of the spear and you're going to be competing with all these 
very, very wealthy uh, individuals and their, you know, newsrooms. And if you've been paying attention to the news, and I know you do, you know that these progressive tech giants like Google and Facebook are trying to silence conservative voices. And just last Thursday, my buddy Stephen Crowder joined the program and he told you that YouTube had removed his ability to monetize his very popular conservative channel. In other words, they're trying to break him. And they've done the same to thousands of other voices. Well, we don't have that problem with Levin TV because we're in charge. And Levin TV is part of the broader network, Blaze TV, because we're not dependent on these progressive tech giants for anything. Levin TV is the network that you've built, and your support is more important to us now than ever. If you haven't subscribed to Levin TV, please consider doing so tonight. I got a special offer for you because of Father's Day. Visit get.blazetv.com slash Levin. Get.blazetv.com slash L-E-V-I-N to sign up. Enter promo code free speech as one word and you'll get $30 off your annual subscription. Now, let me tell you something. If you can get through that gauntlet, you deserve $30 off your annual subscription. Right, Mr. Producer? So go to get.blazetv.com slash Levin, L-E-V-I-N, to sign up. Enter promo code free speech as one word, and you'll get $30 off your annual subscription, and you can gift it to your father, your grandfather, your husband, or your son. Imagine giving that gift plus unfreedom of the press. I mean, that's like a conservative Christmas, I would say. Be unbelievable. All right, I don't really want to do any more of this so-called news, so let me keep checking you folks out for a little bit here. Bruce, Cleveland, Ohio, Sirius Satellite, go. Hi, thanks for taking my call. Yes, sir. Here's my thought. I'm sick and tired of the newscasters, even the ones who I tend to agree with, saying that the mass media blew this two-year investigation. I don't think they blew it, and I don't think you do either. I think they purposely lie to us. They purposely lie. I'm the one who's been saying this, right, Bruce? Of course, and, 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 and I read your book, and I love your book, and I was shocked at all the things I had forgotten about. Over the years, but yeah, I mean, I mean, I, I, have pointed out. Of course, they're not going to apologize because they didn't. I mean, I mean, they're participating in it. So why the, 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 the senior level of the FBI needed the media in order to try and undermine candidate Trump and President Trump. Okay, and I agree with you. So my question is this: Why do the members of the media on Fox, who I, I who I agree with ninety percent of the time, why do they say the media blew it instead of saying the media lied to us? Because there's a difference. It wasn't that they were negligent. It wasn't that they were not. Well, listen, I I can't be specific because I don't know. But you're exactly right. I agree with you. I mean, that's been my position that 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 they were active participants in this. And when you read Unfreedom of the Press, you'll understand they are active participants in these things. They are progressives. They are social activists. They are Democrats. That's who they are. That's what they do. That's also why they've been ignoring the other half of it with Hillary Clinton and the DNC and all the rest. It's intentional. All right, my brother. Good call. I'm with you.
Johnny, New York, New York, the great WABC. How are you? Mark, you're a jewel. Thanks for having me on. Thank you. Uh, I'm a CPA working in the real estate industry in Manhattan for the past 15 years. Um, My concern with um, the release of the Trump tax returns is that you're going to have laymen and people who are not equipped to properly analyze these items um, making snap judgments who don't understand the tax code. I mean, there are so many intricacies uh, as far as real estate goes, let's talk about depreciation, amortization, um, you know, all the different things that are going to show gains and losses, carry forwards, things like that, you know, and they're just going to look at the face of the tax return and ignore the fact that it's a thousand pages long and say Trump lost a billion dollars when, when they just don't have the uh, education or background to properly assess what they're looking at. And, and aren't and you also going to have... You're going to have that, but aren't you also going to have politicians and media types who are going to spin what's in there? That is, they may actually know what they're looking at, but then use it as a cudgel against the president of the United States. And there we are off on more pseudo events that have as their purpose to defeat his reelection. Well, and I didn't mean to cut you off. That was my next point, is that the media is going to take it and run with these little sort of uh, sound bites and tidbits that they think are, are going to make a splash and, and it plays right into uh, into your book, which I'm about halfway through They're pseudo events and it's going to be a media circus that actually has no uh, basis in reality. And don't we get a lot of that? Oh, all the time. I, I feel mean, like look, it's most of what we see, isn't it? Yeah. And look, they just came out with the sweeping tax reform last year, right? Um, and and yep. they claim to simplify everything. Well, in real estate, nothing got simplified. And let's face it, the new code is still 1,100 pages long. Have mm-hmm. they read it? I guarantee they have not. You mean the members of Congress? Yeah. Oh, no, they, don't, they don't read anything. They voted on Obamacare. They never read it. Remember? Well, 100%. I'm just saying that they're going to come out and try to opine on. Not, uh, I agree. I agree. It's all it's all poison. It's all fake. It's all poison. And we don't want to participate in that. Right. Johnny, I'll bet you're a great CPA, my friend. I I am. um, I don't know. I don't know how the hell you guys do it. Sit there day in and day out. I mean, even as uh, when I was much more into practicing law, I resented some of the laws I had to deal with. I resented the regular and I can't even imagine. I resent the income tax. Can you imagine me as a CPA? I'd be angry the whole time. I wouldn't get anything done. Well, I'd hire you every single day of the week and twice on Sunday, Mark. Oh, then when we both go to prison. Johnny, thank you, my friend. I mean, <laughs> I mean, if you're leaving your taxes to me, you're making a big mistake. All right. Arthur, the great WABC, New York, New York, go right ahead. All right. First, I, want, I have three points I want to make, and I want to make them uh, very briefly so that I can hear you speak. My first point is I want to express my profound thanks to you for the patriotic uh, work that you do in educating the public. I've been to law school. I've been to college. I've learned more from your several books than I've ever learned from anything else. Oh, man, I appreciate that. No, it's true. And secondly, I'm a father who lost a 24-and-a-half-year-old son to fentanyl. a highly functioning autistic kid, and they tell me in Los Angeles, well, we automatically consider it an accident because it's fentanyl, it's a drug overdose. 
And I, it's all what you're talking about. And I just want... And, and I'm very sorry. I just Thank you, Mark. It's horrible. For, I'm calling you Mark as if I know you. Uh, yes, Mark is fine. TV. I've been on Blaze TV for two and a half years, and I've sent out a subscription to a friend of mine because I think what you're doing is important. And as time goes by, I think you will be remembered as a true patriot. Uh, but the mm. point that I want to make, the third point, and then I'll hang up because I really want to hear you talk, is that I've read Peter Schweitzer's book, and mm. I am appalled at what Biden did in, I think it's 2013, forgive me if I got the chronology wrong, when he flew over on Air Force Two with his son and got a billion and a half dollar deal for Rosemont Seneca and uh, for his son Hunter Biden and uh, Chris Hines. And I just want, no one ever talks about it. They talk about the buffoonery. Arthur, let me tell you something. Stay tuned. Stay tuned on that. Stay tuned. I got to tell you, I love you. I'm going to hang up so that you can take other calls, but you are the greatest as far as I'm concerned. And when I Mm. think about the work you're doing, I think it's guys like you, especially you, that will perhaps turn this country around so they could see that our youth is being slaughtered. Part of the process is that China is so deeply ingrained. And we got Mm -hmm. this guy, Biden, who's in bed with them. And when he says, ah, they're they're no competent. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing? And his kid gets this this huge deal. Oh, come on. They're not. And then they they reverse course because somebody woke him up. I wish that your analytic brain and your, you know, your your sense of humor, too, I got to say, will deal with this topic. I know I'm just covering it peripherally. Now, trust me on this. I'm 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 working on it. That is wonderful. I'm going to hang up and I thank you very much for listening. Listen, I'm very, very sorry. I cannot imagine losing a child. I can't imagine it. I know you did. I know other people out there have. I just can't imagine it. So my heart goes out to you, Arthur. I want to tell you something else, and then I'm hanging up. When I read your book, I saw the dedication you made to your parents. My wife and I are putting up the tombstone. The unveiling will be in August, and I'm putting Mm. what you said, you know, together forever in perpetual love, and it comes directly from your book. I love you, Mark. Before I cry, I'm going to hang up. All right, Arthur. My best to you and your wife. You never know what people are facing. You just don't know. That's why, and people will tell you this, when I go into a restaurant, I treat waiters and waitresses, I don't care what people call them, that's what I go, with absolute respect. When there's a taxi driver, Uber driver, treat them with absolute respect. People I come across, I try to try to do that. When thousands of people come to a book signing, I try to treat everybody with respect. You don't know what people are going through and you don't know what they have gone through. And I've taught my kids exactly the same thing. Be nice to people. There's no reason you shouldn't be. Unless, of course, they're leftists trying to destroy your country. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. All right, do you wish that double chin would just disappear? Newsflash, ladies and gentlemen, people look at your jawline. It simply tells your age. And here's Robin from Lubbock, Texas. I put Genesel jawline cream on my neck two or three days ago. This is the best my neck has looked in 20 years. People told me my face looks young, and I'm blown away. Well, with Chaminade's MDL technology, 
Genesel's brand new jawline treatment specifically targets the delicate skin on the neck area for tight, healthy, younger looking skin. And you'll see your mirror smile back at you or 100% of your money back. Hello, 100% of your money back, no questions asked. Call now and the classic Genesel for bags and puffiness is free with your order. Call 800-SKIN-604, 800-SKIN-604. And to start seeing results in 12 hours or less, Genesel immediate effects is also free. No double chin, no turkey neck, no sagging jawline because no one needs to know your age. 800-SKIN-604 or Genesel.com. Get your two free gifts and free shipping now. Call 800-SKIN-604, 800-SKIN-604 or go to Genesel.com. Dot com. Let us go to Anthony, Chicago, Illinois, XM Satellite. Go right ahead, sir. Mark Levin, I just want to say thank you again for what you do and what your radio show is all about. I just thank want you. to tell you, as a former Iranian who yes. came here when I was 15 years old, and I am so grateful that I was assimilated into this country, I truly, truly love what this country stands for. And I just want to tell you, I grew up there in Iran, and Iran was called America East. Mm-hmm. Tehran was beautiful. Mm-hmm. Now I've been back, unfortunately, or fortunately. You better be careful, pal. <laughs> I went back in 2000. I don't care, Mark. Uh, mm-hmm. They can do whatever. I mean, there's nothing they can do. I was over there, and they almost held me back in Iran. Mm-hmm. And I want to tell you, they have destroyed what well, the beautiful country that was. These uh, I can't even, I can't, I better not say what I want to say. Mm-hmm. It's a beautiful country. It's beautiful people. They yeah, it's, very, the, it's, it's, the, it's the mullahs. They're like mobsters. They control the economy. Uh, they control various geography areas, uh, geographic areas. They run it like a mob. And it, uh, but anyway, Anthony, I got to go. Call again. I, I very much appreciate your call. In honor of all of you, Levinites out there, patriots out there.
is officially over. The weekend begins now. We salute our armed forces, police officers, firefighters, emergency personnel, all law enforcement up and down the chain. Good night, Spritey. Good night, Griffey. Good night, Pepsi. Good night, Smokey. Good night, Zelda. And good night, Gigi. And have a wonderful Father's Day. And I want to wish Jack and Leo, who we miss deeply, a wonderful Father's Day, too. I hope you'll get your copy of Unfreedom of the Press. And have a magnificent weekend with your family. God bless.